you seriously talk to your appliances? I mean, really, it's a brave new world out there, isn't it? I've got a friend who tells her refrigerator to make coffee. I'm serious. If you've got a smart speaker in your kitchen, and really, who doesn't anymore? Then you need to know Chuck, man. Chuck Knows Beef is the new virtual go-to expert on all things beef. It's powered by Google's artificial intelligence. Access Chuck at ChuckKnowsBeef.com or enable Chuck Knows Beef with Amazon Alexa or Google Home devices. You can ask Chuck, what are the best beef cuts for grilling? Or, what's your favorite color, Chuck? I had to try that. It works. Chuck's favorite color happens to be the slightly pink tone of a perfectly cooked medium rare filet. Am I right? Chuck is your go-to resource for beef knowledge, recipe inspiration, and a little bit of humor. All right, this week we're talking to Siri Daly, who I'm looking at the list of stuff that you do for work, and my head is starting to hurt because it's Today Show Food Contributor with my favorite title, Comfort Food Expert. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't even know that was that was my official title. I don't know title. where I saw that, but I was like, I need to put that on my I business love it. card. <laughs> uh, you have a cookbook, Seriously Delicious. The blog is seriouslydelicious.blogspot.com. Um, Huge on Facebook, huge on Twitter, the blue check mark, mother of three. <laughs> I'm official. I just got my blue check mark, so I'm like, whoa, now it's starting to happen. I don't even know how you get that, to be honest, but, um, but apparently I have it. I, you have people that do these things. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that got me about your story was uh, you started, professionally at least, as a, as a producer and a writer on TV shows. Is that fair to yeah. say? Yes, yes. Actually, I, you know, I majored in television in college, but I was always, I always saw myself as behind, you know, behind the cameras. Mm -hmm. um, and my very first job actually was a production assistant on the show Frasier for okay. their very last season. So, um, so I was a PA for many, many years and... And for those for people that don't know, what do, what does a production assistant do? Um, well, on a show like Frasier mm -hmm. in their last season... Um, it was a lot of uh, Starbucks, a lot of uh, food orders. Um, right. But no, a production assistant basically does everything. I think they called us like gophers. You know, we 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 collated scripts. We had to um, go to the grocery store to get food for the you know the office. Right. A little bit, little bit of everything. Um, but you you really got to learn every aspect of the show and meet. All of the different, you know, from the prop guys to making cappuccinos for Kelsey Grammer before the show. So it was a little bit of everything. It was crazy. I was going to ask you what his fancy coffee drink is. Well, every one of them had a cappuccino before the show. But Kelsey Grammer, every single morning, would order three well-done patties with a side of pickles. I'm sorry, three well-done turkey patties with a side of pickles. Every morning? Yeah. Every morning from Astro Burger, right across from Paramount. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, keeping it low carb. Three, yeah, exactly. Um, mustard, at, mustard on the side. At what anyway. point did you decide, oh, I want to get in front of the camera? You know, I, I don't even think it was something I really decided. Um, but when I cut to like five years after Frasier and mm -hmm. I was working on Last Call with Carson Daly, um, I, I was always interested in, in writing and comedy writing specifically. So I started um, to submit comedy um you know um, monologue jokes a few of them made it on the air and i think that they kind of recognized me as sort of i don't know like having a little bit of that in in me so they would throw me into comedy bits sure 
Um, so I did some on-air, you know, there was one called Current Events Karaoke where we would sing a current news story to a popular karaoke song. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that. That was sort of like the segue, I guess, into being in front of the camera. Um, and I did a lot of like theater and musical theater in, in high school and college and stuff. But um, it was never something I was, it was never like a goal of mine. Right. I was always like, no, I belong behind the camera. But Tell me the difference between being on stage for a, for a production and then being in front of a camera. Oh, I, it's so different. I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's just mental. Mm-hmm. But... I, I definitely had moments of just freezing up in front of a camera. Sure. There's something about like that just lens glaring at you and you know it's permanent and it's being recorded. And um, it takes a lot of getting used to for me specifically. Like there's something about live theater where, you know, you kind of just have to go. You know that like there's no turning back. Right. So um, although, you know, with live camera, li- live television, there's that too. But I'm kind of, I like the live aspect of it where you just know like, okay, there's no, this is my shot. You kind of almost have an out-of-body experience and you just have to do your best. Sometimes it's not your best, but. When you're doing live <laughs> TV, is it better to make mistakes or not make mistakes? Like, does it make everybody relax when somebody finally makes a mistake? You know what? I found that like actually making mistakes, I think people can relate to that mm-hmm. and it's, it relaxes me even more. So I, now I. Like people ask me, for instance, with the Today Show, if I get nervous and I don't anymore because I think I'm allowing myself to just be real. And if a mistake happens, I know that like most people out there are like, oh, well, I've done that. Sure. And so it's not it, it takes the pressure off of it. Um, at first, I was definitely super nervous because I you know, had that that mentality that it had to be perfect. And I mean, come on, nothing is perfect. Nobody's so, perfect. Yeah. I think so- mistakes are good. That's what. That's my excuse. I, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's real. It's being real. It's exactly. Being, being real. Authentic, transparent, and real. Um, <laughs> so on Last Call with Carson Daly, you met your future husband, Carson Daly. I did. And and the I saw something online where the line was, you walked into a planning meeting. He was sitting there with everybody, and he just got hit. The Italians call it getting hit with the thunderbolt. He looked around Aww. and he said, did everybody see that lady that just came through? <laughs> like instant love at first sight for him uh i want to know how it was for you (laughs) um no it was probably not the thunderbolt although when i first when we actually first met i remember i was spray painting again i was like a production assistant so you did a little bit of everything i was spray painting a like piece of wood for something in the set that they were doing and he walked by and i definitely had that kind of butterfly feeling because you know it was it was Carson Daly from sure MTV that was like I grew up with that era of television not even just MTV but for he was the TRL guy exactly I know I know and it's funny I honestly didn't even watch it that much but my brother and sister did every single day Mm -hmm. and I almost gave them a hard time I'm like come on I was four years older than them and I was like like acted like I was their mother, you know, right. turn that off or whatever, which is kind of funny. But I definitely, you know, he was an icon. And um, so I definitely had those little kind of butterflies. But it wasn't until maybe two years after we were working together on the show that I started to sort of, I don't know, look at him differently. It was definitely when I started to um, be more involved with writing mm-hmm. and producing segments um you know I started as a production assistant then I was a executive assistant then I was a writer's assistant 
then a associate producer, segment producer. So I kind of did a little bit of everything. Yeah. But when I started working with him a little more closely and got to know him and, and just I was like, wow, this guy's really funny. This guy's really cool. And you know how you you start to like, especially when you're working with someone you really get to know your colleagues so well. And, right. and so um, it wasn't exactly a thunderbolt right off the bat. The slow burn. I feel bad saying because, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, exactly. Slow, slow. Um, and then it was just, you know, you know, workplace romances. We were emailing back and forth on my T-Mobile sidekick. Right. It was oh just my this God. What year was it? <laughs> it was 1984. No, um, uh, 2005, maybe 2006. I haven't heard T-Mobile sidekick I would say. in a minute. Yeah, like nobody, I didn't even, I didn't have an iPhone. Right. I had the T-Mobile sidekick and he had the Blackberry. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it started as an email relationship and. The Blackberry with the actual buttons, R.I.P. Yes. He still misses that thing. I do too, because I have fat <laughs> fingers and I can't barely work an iPhone. It's, I know. It's been a decade. It still bothers me. <laughs> How did he finally ask you out? Well, it was New Year's Eve. So I also work, he does the countdown show most years for NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and he likes to count down, he, he says. He's really good at counting down from 10 to 1. Um, anyway, I also worked on that as a producer. So we were in New York um, and it was just kind of, you know, a little fairy tale New, New Year's Eve midnight kiss. And then a couple days after wait, that- Wait, 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 um, wait, 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 back it up, back it up. Uh, uh, Hold on. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't midnight. It wasn't a midnight kiss because he was on air. So it was, it was an after midnight. So this yeah. is like, cameras are off. You guys are just yes. hanging out side stage and he just leaned over? Well, it was um, after uh, the after party. Was okay. at the after party. Had you been dating yet? No, but we had. We were definitely very, very like T-Mobile sidekick flirting. Okay. So it was like, All right. yeah. So the texts are going back and forth. Yes. Okay. Yes. So so it started with the kiss. Then we then our first date. He mm-hmm. asked me out for our first date. It was pretty funny. He he knew I was really into um, baking. Okay. I would bake always for the office because like, at that point I'm in my 20s. I'm living in Los Angeles. I have a roommate. Mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about wanting to bake and cook, but I don't have anyone to cook for. So I'd bring stuff into the office all the time, especially baked goods. Sure. So he knew that about me. So on our first date, he said, will you teach me how to make cookies and brownies? Of course, he probably could care less about cookies and brownies, but he that was so sweet. I was like, yes. We get to his house, though, and he has nothing to make cookies and brownies. Of course he doesn't. He doesn't have a measuring spoon. I've got three uh, to-go containers. Yeah, exactly. I was like, uh, we need to, I don't know how to do this without, you know, these things. So he, he said, let's go to Sir Latab. Mm-hmm. And we went to Sir Latab and I bought him everything he needed for his house. And it was like the most exciting first date. I ever. bet. Because um, then we made cookies and brownies. He invited some friends over because, again, we had all these baked goods. Nobody right. could eat them all. So and, and it went hit, from there. And his head, he's, I've got this beautiful creature now in my home. All it <laughs> took was a, uh, was a shopping spree at Sir Latab. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Was there a, a dish that you made for him, or think back to like the first time that you that you cooked for Carson that really like won him over, where he looked so, over and yeah. realized after. So then we started dating, and I would after work we would sometimes you know hang out together. And so one night I was like, I'm going to make him you know a dinner, a nice dinner. Yeah. At that time we were kind of still we would go out for dinner, we would order takeout. Um, but I remember. I made him scallops, and I had never made scallops before, which are now a relatively easy thing to make, but you just kind of have to know what you're doing. Um, 
and I didn't know what I was doing. I think I got frozen scallops from Trader Joe's. Um, I mean, it, it worked out. I think it was good. At least he he claims that it's good. Maybe would probably change that story now. <laughs> he muscled through it. We've been together for 13 years, but um, <laughs> I was so nervous. I just remember being like, do I thaw them for? I mean, I just did not know what I was doing. Was I think um, what people don't realize about scallops, and I didn't learn this until I actually looked it up on the internet, because you watch your parents cook them, and my dad, he was pretty good, but he'd throw them in there and he'd cook them for too long. And he'd, yeah. he'd, he'd put lemon on them while they were cooking. Mm-hmm. And really the thing about scallops is two minutes one side, two minutes the yeah. other side. and Hot, hot, hot pan. Hot, hot, hot pan. And it's okay to undercook them. Yeah. Because if once you overcook them, now you're just eating rubber washers right, at exactly. this point. So Rubber. Let, let's talk about your cookbook. So do you have a scallop recipe in the cookbook, A? Are the brownies in the cookbook, B? A, no, I do not have a scallop recipe, but there are brownies, not the actual brownies I made that day. The brownies I have in the cookbook are zucchini brownies, actually. Um, And, you know, because a lot of the cookbook is kind of trying to get your kids to eat not healthier things. So I think that's why I put those in there. But um, I also have um, a mint chocolate brownie, too, that uh, is from like Christmas time when I was a kid. So, yeah. The cookbook is called Seriously Delicious um, what was the inspiration? At what point did you say, you know what, I need to make I need to make a cookbook? Why did you do it? I always had wanted to make a cookbook. Like, even as a kid, it was sort of a dream of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started my blog, which is the same name, Seriously Delicious, right. about 10 years ago, a little less, maybe nine years ago. Um, and, you know, at that point, it was kind of a way... Uh, to keep track of what I was making for my family every night when I started it. But then it obviously turned into much, much more. And I felt like the logical next step um, was to write a cookbook. Um, and I always envisioned a book that I'd write would be, yes, obviously about food, but that would tell a story. Um, I really wanted to write a book that I could, that people could read. Sure. That if you're not even a big cook, that you would want to go through the tale of this of each recipe you know from start to finish and um so that's really what I tried to do I mean I I had used up the cookbook is about maybe 40 percent of recipes from my blog okay and and then the 60 percent you know new stuff that I spent about a year creating and testing and Mm -hmm. going through that whole process um but yeah it still sometimes is shocking that it's out there Came out last year, January last year, yes, I think. Yes, April. Which one of the recipes has the biggest story? Oh, my gosh. Or pick one of your favorites. That's, that's really hard because they're all so... Um, it took me so long to write it because I was so obsessed with really digging into each recipe and, fig- sure. and figuring out like where it came from and, and what it means to me. Um, I would say one off the top of my head is uh, Lucy's Ham Sandwiches. Okay. Um, Lucy was a friend of my mother's, and um, her daughter and I were very good friends, are, are very good friends. Um, and and the sandwiches are always a smash hit, no matter who makes them. And they've spread now, because th- this was one of the recipes on my blog. They've spread like across the country. I, I have so many messages from people about Lucy's Ham Sandwiches. They're just, you know, s- ham and Swiss cheese with the Hawaiian sweet roll buns and the sticky, buttery Worcestershire 
poppy seed sauce. Mm -hmm. So they're sticky, sweet, delicious. But um, Lucy passed away from Alzheimer's about, I don't know, five years ago, four years ago. Okay. So that's definitely like a, a recipe that, that has a very meaningful, special place sure. in my heart and the story of Lucy. And it makes me so happy that that recipe can sort of live on and that people can say her name every time they make them. Sure. Um, so that's one example. Um, you know, there's, there's another one that um, we make quite often in our house, um, which are the, uh, the crispy chicken pie yard. Um, because it also just kind of tells the story of how my kids are. I have three kids. Right. Two are very, very picky, <laughs> extremely picky. And that is one meal that I can make and everyone will eat it. Like they might not eat the salad part, but I'm not doing the short order cook thing where I have to like make, make this for this person. On the side. Yeah. They'll eat the chicken. They'll have some avocado from the salad. It's just, it's like, you know, so I tell stories of my family a lot and my kids and, my daughter is five and she's, she's, uh, God, it really depends. But there are some days, I don't know about you. Sometimes I stare at her and I go for the love of God, just eat some protein, please. Yeah. Oh, I know. Cause those little King's Hawaiian rolls, she could eat just those all day. Yeah. My mom Sounds gave her like butter me. one time and she keeps asking for it. Daddy, can I just have some butter? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was our son probably around the same age, five years old. I remember we were once at a restaurant uh-huh. and I wasn't really paying attention. And I think he like ate six butter packets yeah <laughs> we were like oh stop he just you know all the grown-ups are talking he's like mm, this is this is good the one time yeah. she she muscled her um she has a learning tower which is like a it's like i don't know if you're familiar but it's like this oh in the kitchen yeah like a lifeguard tower that they can then stand on and be yes, counter level i love those well she used that to to pry open the refrigerator and she just reached up and grabbed i don't know two tablespoons of butter and just jammed <laughs> it in her mouth and my wife looked at me and she goes, your mom. <laughs> to this day, like I'm never going to live it down. That's pretty funny. Um, are there things that you do, any suggestions for like getting your kids excited about eating the food? I know you said you have a couple of picky eaters. Like for me, yes. one of the moves I make is I'll make a sauce and then I'll tell my daughter, hey, check this out. Tell me, tell daddy what it needs. And that makes her feel more involved, for example. Right. Well, I think that that's definitely it is keeping them involved. Let them help you prepare dinner. Right. Let them like cut up the vegetable. Um, if I had a green thumb, I would be growing more vegetables with them where Same. that they could pick them from the garden. And But that doesn't quite happen. However, if you out there have a green thumb, do that. Because as, as much as, 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 in as many ways you can get them involved in right. the actual process of eating, I think that helps. Even taking them to the store, like, hey, what looks good? What should we pick out? If, if they have a choice in the matter if they feel like they have a choice because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the pickiness and about eating with kids is is a control issue like both of my girls at about 18 months they they were eating everything up until then right and I was making a lot of baby food and everything was great and they both that was the point when they stopped and I swear I think it was a control issue they just realized hey I, I actually I, I don't have to put this in my mouth I don't have to eat this you're not the boss of me <laughs> I can throw it on the floor <laughs> and there's nothing she can do about yeah. it so I just think it's important to like keep them involved. I mean, I definitely bake a lot with my kids and they love that, of course, sure. because they love to have the cookie dough bites. But um, my son, for instance, who's 10, he's really showing more of an interest in wanting to like prepare his own meals. And 
I just think it definitely helps if you if you get them involved. That's great. I'll never forget uh, handing my daughter a cookbook with a bunch of those little multicolored tabs and saying, just mark off the pages of the stuff you want daddy to make. And she skipped yes. everything but the dessert section. And just and then she marked every single one of the desserts and she handed it back to me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, this feels like a good time for a break. If you've been a longtime Feed Me listener, you've heard us give some amazing tips from the California Beef Council in our Beef 101 segment. But what you may not know is you can get more tips, great recipes, videos, info on beef cuts, pantry basics and more great stuff on one app. It's called Beef Fabulous, and it's available for Apple and Android for free. My favorite price, this is from the California Beef Council. All those great beef, it's what's for dinner recipes right on your phone. Genius, download Beef Fabulous. Hey, you can almost hear the sizzle. Tell me about how old you were when you first got in the kitchen. Who inspired you? Uh, Who got you interested? It was definitely my mom and my grandmother, and it was probably centered around baking also. Um, They both loved, my whole family just, they centered family reunions, whatever it is, vacations, it's all centered around food. Like at breakfast, we're talking about what we're going to eat for lunch, and Mm -hmm. at lunch, we're talking about what we're going to eat for dinner, and Carson always gives me a hard time about that, because he can tell. I'll be eating breakfast, I'm like, and I start to speak, and he's like, don't even bring up lunch. My wife does the same thing. Yeah, so um, it it was just a big part of my life growing up. Um, and I remember being, you know, really young, wanting to even wash the dishes. I just wanted to be in the kitchen mm-hmm. with them. Um, and then, like, my first real experiences of cooking on my own, I, I, you know, I took actually a home economics class in, I don't even remember, middle school. Sure. And that was, like, a big turning point. I remember loving it so much. And they gave us, we made this, confetti vegetable pasta I think it was what it was called and they gave us the recipe and I came home and I'm like I'm gonna make this for dinner um and I grew up my my parents were divorced so my mom was a working single mother Mm -hmm. um she cooked a lot for us but obviously was very busy and and lots of nights we had to you know with our schedules too we had to go out and whatnot or get takeout takeout or whatever yeah it was really important to me to be able to help and so I made this confetti vegetable pasta I don't think my brother and sister touched it because they were younger and but they were like vegetables but, and my mom probably, I, I don't have no idea if it was good or not, but right. it was such a powerful feeling, an empowering feeling to be able to like make a meal and realize I can feed people, I can do this. And, um, and then it kind of went from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember taking the same class um, and a kid went in. You were in my class? No, well. Just kidding. Not, <laughs> okay, yeah. Very okay. similar subject. <laughs> it was basically like a life skills class. And a kid came in. All he did was he threw Campbell's mushroom soup and ch- cubed ham over uh, some hash browns. But he showed us. I mean, I'm in junior high. And yeah. I, it smelled amazing. And I took uh-huh. the same thing. I took that home and I made it. And, uh, and then, it, again, also, like to your point, very empowering. It's, a, it's yeah. a lot more empowering than standing in the kitchen waiting for somebody else to do it. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Um, so then we, we fast forward to the Today Show where, again, you're the food contributor. And then I, I love this comfort food expert, which, again, I need that <laughs> on so my business card. I'm going to make a little name tag for myself. Swear, that's comfort food I swear I would. Um, tell me about like 
a moment on the show where you're cooking with someone, maybe it's a celebrity, and you're like, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe I'm cooking next to this person. This is surreal. Well, I felt that from the very first time I was even on the show with the talent. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember the the very first time I was on, I was cooking with Al Broker. And Mm -hmm. I grew up watching the Today Show. I mean, I was always, it was always on in the morning, even if it was just in the background. So standing there next to Al Broker, who made me feel so at home and so comfortable and so relaxed, but was definitely a pinch me moment. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and I still sometimes feel that way every time I go there. I'm like, and walk through the doors of, you know, Studio 1A and Rockefeller Center. It's just, it's a crazy yeah. feeling. You know what, that's a good um, point. One particular collaboration we did um, was I cooked with um, Ben Ford. Okay. I'm not sure if you know. So he's Harrison Ford's son, first of all, and has um, a few restaurants in the L.A. area. Um, and that was just also really cool just to be able to, you know, I'm a self-taught cook. So sure. when I, whenever I am next to a chef, a classically trained chef, yeah. that's a little bit like, oh, you know, kind of one of those moments where I have to tell myself, hey, you belong here too. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, it's very, um, it's just another, I don't know what to say, pinch me moment. Like, I can't believe that I'm at this point. I'm on television. I'm cooking with sh- with actual chefs. Actual that- chefs, trained chefs. It's funny that you say that because Aisha Curry said the exact same thing. Okay. Because she's also not a classically trained chef. Yeah. She's just a lady who loves food. And yeah. uh, her trajectory, very similar to yours, but she said the same thing. She's like, sometimes yeah. I, I can't believe I'm up here right. with all of these actual pros. Right. And I do, I like to correct people because sometimes people say, you know, that I'm a chef and, and it's not that... I, I just I do like to correct them because I don't want to take I, I, I don't want to take away from what like a chef is and what they work towards to get to that title. You sure. know, I I'm not a chef. I'm I call myself a passionate home cook or right. whatever. The, you know, it, I, I just love food. Yeah. I love food. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes, but I think that that's also important. And that's, a, you know, going back to the book, a lot of what I wanted to come across was that you don't have to be good at this to, to make like, or you don't have to, let's not be good at it. You don't have to, you don't have to like some people feel so intimidated with cooking sometimes and they look at the recipe and they're like, well, I can't follow that. I don't know what that, that means. And I, I wanted to teach people that you can trust your gut. You can, if you don't have that ingredient, you can still make it right without it or with something else. Like you can make a mistake, but learn from it and make it better the next time. I mean, there's just so much of cooking that is is like creative and a, a fun process and that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of what I want to teach people. It's it's artwork. You know, there yeah, is a exactly. certain amount of science involved, but if you don't follow the recipe to the T, it's not going to kill it a lot right. of times. Right, I know. I you know? know. And some people are so afraid to try just right. because they're afraid that they're going to kill it. Sure. So sometimes I'll see you on the Today Show and you're actually cooking with Carson. Mm-hmm. Are you guys a good yes. team in that regard? Yes, yes. We call it dining with the dailies. That's the, that's our new uh, little catchphrase. But um, we really try to replicate like our our kitchen at home when we're on the show and and the experience of what it, what it's like. And because we really do spend most of our time in the kitchen together as a family. Um, you know, he I do most of the cooking. He will do most of the bartending, but he does a lot of the grilling too. Yeah. Um, he'll, 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 he's like the DJ. He sets the scene. He sets the vibe. He puts the music on. He makes the drinks. So, so that's a lot of what we do on the show. We, we kind of replicate that. In fact, a couple of our latest um, segments have been 
Um, we call it chilling and grilling where like mm-hmm. he, he has a, a playlist that he offers the audience and, um, and maybe like a signature drink first. It's just to, just to sort of the experience of cooking is also so much fun to me and to our family. Um, I love doing it for a crowd. I love like having people in the kitchen with me while I'm doing it. So that's sort of what we try to, to show on the, on the today show where, and, and we, we bicker, we, (laughs) we like, it's, it's very real. So let's just put it that way. Who wins those arguments? Does he, who stands down first? I'm I'm sure that it's me. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) At least I think it, it is. Although, you know what is funny? He is so, he has the, best ideas and sometimes I don't want to admit that as right. when it comes to food like I'll, I'll spend all this time making this meal and after and he'll say to me as he's eating it you know what would make this better and maybe in that moment I'm like oh, I don't want to hear that <laughs> I just he's always right he always has an idea to elevate it and um I really do get a lot of my inspiration from him. He, he like can think, he can see it and taste it ahead of time and figure out like, he's like, you, sh- you know what you should try? Um, and so we work well together that way. When you, and I experienced this uh, yesterday, we had a company potluck, but when someone else cooks for you and then they want to know how was it, how honest are you? Because I had a, a couple of people, for example, make guacamole at our office party oh, and they both wanted to know, Marcus, how yeah. was it? What did you say? How was it? Well... <laughs> One of them didn't have enough avocados in it, so it was more of an okay. avocado salsa than an actual guacamole. Right. And he accidentally put cardamom instead of coriander in it, so that oh. threw it off, and I couldn't tell yeah. why. And then in the other one, there was, she put, I don't know if it was cream cheese or sour cream, but she put so much in it actually overtook the avocados, and it okay. wasn't seasoned enough. Right. And I didn't really know what to do, because you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But they're asking... Well, right, and sometimes, and they're really wanting. Yeah, if they're asking, they're wanting your advice. They're wanting your professional advice. As someone who lacks empathy, can you tell me how I would, uh, how you would go about that? As a far more empathetic person than me. (laughs) Well, this is an interesting question because I'm from the Midwest, and I'm I'm that like passive nice person. Okay. Um. So, and it's funny because Carson is like the opposite, and he he's he's always you know telling it as it is so we have a little bit of that and he's like come on don't don't be so nice and so I def I do I I would love to say that I would be completely honest but I bet a little bit of me would would swallow it and be although the biggest thing to me and I feel like a lot what a lot of people struggle with is like you said under seasoning right like just a little bit more salt or whatever it is can make the difference in a lot of dishes yes so I think I would you know I, I could I would I don't know. I'd be I'd be as honest as I could. Now now you're inspiring me to be more honest. Well, I legitimately Carson would just be with... like, "This sucks." I know, <laughs> but I have to work with these people, and I don't want to. Yeah, you exactly. Know what I mean? So that's you know. I'm I'm lucky. My wife is brutally honest. Like because yeah. I I do all the cooking at my house, and she will say, "This is where you you know this could be better, or it's a little bit too much this or whatever." And I take yep. that, but I never know how to deliver that to other people. Right. Right. Have you ever cooked for any celebrities or been in the kitchen with at somebody's house or something as simple as, you know, you you're now let's take it all the way back. You're Carson Daly's girlfriend now. I can't believe I'm hanging out with these people. So, yes, one of Carson's closest friends from all the way back to when he was like 12 is Jimmy Kimmel. Right. Um, And Jimmy loves food and is a very, very good cook. Mm hmm. 
Um, same sort of deal, you know, obviously not classically trained, but very, very passionate about it, especially Italian food. And he is, he's very, very good. He's got all of the equipment in his house, you know, the pizza ovens, the sous vides, the like what, you name it, he has it. Three instant pots. <laughs> uh, yeah. So when I, when we were first dating, um, I remember the first time we hung out and I think it was like a Christmas and he gave me like a Breville pie, mini pie maker or something. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, that was so nice. And and also just the fact that he got me, he knew I loved food and, right. and whatnot. So um, I remember one time this was, and this was after we had um, our first child, you know, we got married after our children. So we did everything a little backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jackson was maybe two and I threw a big birthday dinner for Carson and just, and not big, but invited like three of his closest friends, okay. Jenny being one of them. Um, and I was stressing before that dinner for sure, because I wanted to impress him and whatnot. Um, and he said to me leading up to the dinner, he said, you know what? I have a friend in town and, um, would it be okay if he came too? And actually he's a chef, so he could help out a little bit. And his friend, Jimmy Kimmel saying this to you. Yeah. Oh yes. So Jimmy Kimmel already I'm nervous about, and he says his chef friend is going to come, but he can help, you know, maybe he'll make the steaks and right. it was, um, Adam Perry Lang. Okay. Who is um, a wonderful chef, has a restaurant in Los Angeles right now. I'm sure he has others. Um, and he's a, he's the he's the meat guy. You know, he makes like, so I was like, oh, sure, he could make the steaks. I'm not, I'm not about to say like, no, I think I'd rather make the steaks right. for Adam Perry Lang. Um, so he comes over. He make, I made a bunch of sides. I did, I think, creamed spinach. I did uh, roasted red peppers. I did, I can't remember, but I like, I spent like days leading up to that trying to perfect it trying to just make everything right and it, it actually went really well it was great and I learned a lot that night from Adam too he he taught me how to make um an herb brush sure for steaks and stuff which I hadn't and like we he had this whole method of he would t- cut off the fat put it in a little pan with butter and garlic and um he'd baste the steaks with that oh and some olive oil and he'd tie herbs to a wooden spoon like rosemary or whatever i mean yeah rosemary thyme whatever we had Mm -hmm. and brush the steaks with this like braising liquid i mean it was so awesome i'll never forget that night but i but i had to be like oh my gosh here's yep jimmy kimmel and a chef again (laughs) here i am again (laughs) little midwest tuna casserole lady but anyway any any awkward moments in the kitchen that you can remember maybe the first time you cooked for your in-laws or uh oh yeah oh yeah i remember the first time i hosted thanksgiving Mm -hmm. um because Carson's mother loved to host. She was very, very big on holidays. Um, so for the first few Thanksgivings, we were always with her and she would always take care of the turkey. And I was like, hey, that's great. Like, I'll, I'll make a side dish because it, it's, it's an intimidating meal and it's an intimidating day. So the first time that we hosted, I think like three things went wrong. Uh, like I left the bag of innards in the turkey like oh, the whole bag just never yep, pulled it out yeah um i set a oven mitt on fire when i was <laughs> pulling it out of the um oven how did you put else. that out did you just pat it down or actually reach for the fire extinguisher it, it didn't the fire extinguisher was not needed but okay. it was um <laughs> it was like yeah it left a giant charred hole in the in the oven mitt I can't even remember what the third thing was, but I was just so nervous. And luckily, I think Carson probably uh, anticipated all of this. So he made another turkey on, on his the side? big green egg outside in the smoker. 
Um, Did you know that was happening? Well, he, no, like days prior, he was like, you know what, I'm, I think I'm going to do another turkey. And I was a little bit like, what? No. First of all, we don't need that much turkey. And second of all, like, I'm doing the turkey. Right. But, of course, cut to like when the oven mitt's on fire, I was very happy that we had a backup turkey, which I think was better, to be honest. Mm. The smoked turkey was was real good. The green egg is serious business. Yeah, right. it is. It is. Again, you've got a lot. And I, again, I'm looking at the list of stuff that you have going on. Number one for me is the cookbook, Seriously Delicious. I love the fact that there is a nutritious section and a not-so-nutritious section, depending on right. how you're feeling that day. I'm all about balance. I so I definitely that. wanted to, like, the actual title of the book is 100 Nutritious and Not-So-Nutritious Recipes right. for the Real Home Cook. Um, because, listen, I, I, I just, I can't do diets. I don't do, like, the fad whatever like the keto the and there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. I just I need I can't deprive myself of things I need to just balance everything out and I think that's important as long as you're you know as long as you're eating healthy and you're you're knowledgeable of what you're putting in your body there's nothing wrong with like having cookies or having you know a, a fried chicken one day um so it's definitely a balanced book but you know I I do have three kids i do want to feed them well. Mm-hmm. I try, I strive for that. So there's those recipes in the book where I sneak in vegetables or um, I make these rainbow popsicles that are basically, it's basically four different smoothies in a, in a popsicle. Sure. So it looks beautiful and it's fun for kids to eat, but they're really just having smoothies. So there's definitely a good balance of, of indulgent and, and healthy. You reminded me because one of my big things is sneaking in nutrition, just like you. Yeah. And and making so it's fun and they don't notice. I tried to make right. uh, dinner cupcakes one time, and oh. so they were cupcakes made out of ground turkey, and the frosting was mashed potatoes. Ooh, nice. And then uh, there was a uh, gosh, the spring- sprinkles. The sprinkles were like uh, they were like uh, fr- uh, fried onions or something. Oh, so nice. I told my daughter, who was three at the time, that we're having cupcakes for dinner, and she could not get to the dinner table fast enough. And then she put it in her mouth and then spit it out and threw it across the room. She said, Daddy, <laughs> these are not cupcakes. <laughs> I know. They're too smart. You kind of have to... <laughs> You're like, well, maybe I could just call them... Uh, yeah. Yep. I know. They're too smart. The trust level went through the floor after that. <laughs> yeah. Like she didn't believe anything I said after that. Um <laughs> How old are your kids now? Like so, Jack they're is... ten, seven. Well, they're ten, six, and four. Almost seven, almost five. This is where you tell me they all do sports or something, or oh, well, they. I mean, it's ridiculous. I was just actually writing a blog on my blog um, because I, I I rarely do that anymore. I just mm-hmm. don't have time, and so I was kind of explaining why I don't have time on the blog. And it's literally. I think I spend most of my time scheduling carpools. And being in carpools. That's real I'm in talk. like 15 different carpools for uh-huh. all three of the kids. And it's not that they're overbooked with activities. I mean, it's just, it's re- regular stuff. But mm-hmm. And carpools are amazing. But the amount of time you spend thinking about them and, and organizing them, and it, it's insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, it like, it you think it's going to get easier as they get older. Right. But it, it doesn't really. I mean, certain things get easier. You don't have to buckle their car seats and wipe their butts as much but like like it's just a different type of demand and and now I'm finding myself like waiting up for my 10 year old because he's at a you know like a firework pool function and it's just it's a whole different and I'm sure that's gonna you know grow the waiting up 
Oh yeah, no, that's only going to get uh, more exciting. Um, how many different like text convos are you in on any daily basis with different moms and stuff? Like, oh, I mean, it's it's crazy during the year, and they're all like labeled. It's like, it's like art carpool and baseball moms <laughs> and whatever it is. And some it's funny too because sometimes one mom will write something completely, and you read it, and you're like, what? And then they'll follow it up with, sorry, wrong text chain. Wrong text, you know, yeah. it's, it's so hard to keep track. Like, yeah, it's insane. Do you have any habits that that help you stay on track as a as basic as a working mom? I mean, you've got this, I'll call it an empire. Sure, <laughs> with the cookbook and the Today Show plus the blog, uh, plus trying to. Uh, the hardest part for me is like expanding social media I platforms. Know. You know, like absolutely, that's a full time job in itself. I even tried to hire an assistant one time yeah. just for that, but then when you don't speak in your own voice, right, it makes it weird, right. What do you, are, are there any, any, any habits that you have that help you stay on track on a daily basis? What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help any mom that is out there that has an idea for, a, a, you know, whether it's pictures of her kids and her dogs. She's trying to be a, media, a social media influencer and run a household at the same time. Well, I think the biggest thing that's kind of helped me over the years, and I'm still struggling with trying to find that balance, and I'm sure I'll struggle always, but... I have to make small, realistic goals for each day. I'm, I'm that type of person that, that I think about everything I need to do a lot, and it's all in my mind, and I will write down lists, and it can be very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But if I take a step back and, and look at each day, like in the morning, before I even get up, before I, before I wake my kids up, I have to think about, okay, what am I going to accomplish today? Don't set too many, don't have too many expectations for yourself. Sure because then you're just going to feel like a failure at the end of the day. So like it can be even as little as like today, I'm going to shower. I'm going to make that recipe that I've been wanting to make. And I'm going to call my son's teacher about that one, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You just have to like be kind to yourself and, and make small goals. Um, And then as far as like, you know, social media's platforms and, and, and if you want to, start a blog and whatnot just like people always ask me like what you know what what any advice I have for them and it would it's just to and it sounds so simple but to really be organic and and to find your voice and just stay within that you know that path Um, don't try to again do too much just be yourself and that is what people that's what translates on the page that's what people relate to through social media I mean Social media is definitely very tricky, and I have you know my my seriously delicious um, platform. But then right. I started one, kind of a- along these for this very reason. I started one called Real Moms Wear Gray. Okay, and it's basically a page where I, if people use that hashtag, I'll repost photos and whatnot throughout throughout the day, and um, it's a place that just strips it all down, and it's real. It's real parenting moments. It's it's just real life. It can be sad. It can be funny. It can be frustrating. But it's a safe place where you know that like pictures weren't altered and and it's just real moments that kind of make I hope that make moms feel like we're not in this alone. I was just going to say and not just moms, just parents in general. Yeah, there's nothing more powerful for me than sitting down with a bunch of dads realizing we're all going through the same struggles. Exactly. We're we're trying to keep it together. We're trying to stay strong for our families, but then realizing every guy on the block is going through the same thing kind of makes you feel better about the way that you're handling it. Right. Exactly. Fantastic. Siri Daly, thank you 
for your time. Thank you. This was so fun. Again, catch her on the Today Show, bossing around her husband, Carson Daly. <laughs> <laughs> the cookbook is called Seriously Delicious, S-I-R-I. Uh, the blog is seriouslydelicious.blogspot.com and uh, pretty much everywhere online at Seriously Delicious. Except on Twitter where it's seriously delish. I know. You know, when I started that, when I made that, it was like a, I, I don't think I could fit it. Yeah. It was so long ago that, anyway, so I had to shorten it. Well, there you go. Again, you super go. appreciated. Thank you. I really appreciate it, too. All right. Learn more about our guests and what they love to cook at calbeef.org slash podcast. If you've got a question, just tweet it to us at Feed Me Podcast, and we might actually answer it on a future episode. All right. Before we go, here's some Beef 101 from the California Beef Council. Doesn't matter if you're cooking on a gas or charcoal grill in your backyard or at a tailgate, grilling is one of the most exciting ways to enjoy beef. Who doesn't love to hear that sizzle, man? That cooking method provides maximum flavor. Think about that crust you're putting on, plus optimal tenderness. It's also the cooking method that tends to worry a lot of beginner cooks. Here are a few tips. A, make sure your grill is clean to prevent flare-ups. Also well-oiled to prevent sticking. Use a thermometer to monitor doneness and let it go, man. Don't flip those steaks too much. One flip is usually all you need to do. And when you take it off the grill, remember to let your steak rest. That's one of the most important steps. All those juices going back into all those cells. It is seriously worth the wait. It prevents all that good stuff from wasting away right onto your plate. For most grill-friendly cuts, about five minutes resting time is enough. I like to go a full 10 if you've got the time. And when you slice for serving, make sure you go against the grain. You can find out more about grilling at beefitswhatsfordinner.com. That's your Beef 101. Feed Me is funded by the Beef Checkoff and brought to you by California's cattle ranchers and beef producers. Make sure to follow us on the iHeartRadio app, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you happen to be listening to your podcast. Our producer is Casey Franco at iHeartRadio San Francisco, executive producer is Annette Cassis from the California Beef Council. I'm Marcus Najera. We'll talk to you next time.